This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tab. It is the Express for Saturday, the 10th of June. Can you guess what we've been talking about this week? You're listening to Double Tap Express, your weekly roundup of what's happening on Double Tap this week. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you today? I am gorgeous, thank you, Stephen Scott. Can I can I have a guess about what we've been talking about this week, please? Oh, uh, okay. Well, I, I think you, we can all guess. One more thing. Yes, thank you, Tim. And that one more thing was, of course, your toaster. Ah, oh, my toaster. That's the thing that sticks in my mind. Nothing else. I've forgotten absolutely everything else but your beautiful, beautiful, weird, uh, expensive toaster. I actually forgot all about my toaster. <gasps> that was Monday's show. That feels like a lifetime ago. It does, doesn't it? You mean you haven't unboxed it yet? I actually haven't unboxed the toaster. That's how busy this week has been. It has been wild this week, all because of... One more thing. Yes, that's <sighs> all we're going to be talking about. Well, yes, we are going to be talking about that a lot over the, probably the next, I don't know, five to ten years. Yes, just that audio clip. I want that in every episode. One more thing. Thank you. Get up with it, yeah. Uh, so, yes, coming <laughs> yes. up today, we are going to be recapping the week that was WWDC, Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference. And I think we should start with what uh, I think they call in movies a montage, a recap, if you will, a look oh. back, Sean Priest. Are you ready for this? I am ready, sir. Let's hit it. So Apple unveiled updates to all its current operating systems and introduced a brand new one as well called Vision OS. In addition, the company has announced several new Macs and the Vision Pro headset itself. First up, Apple unveiled the 15-inch MacBook Air starting at $1299 US dollars. This device uses the M2 chip, which according to Apple offers an 18% faster CPU and 35% faster GPU than its predecessor. In the base model, you'll get an 8-core CPU and 8-core GPU, but you can also upgrade to get a 10-core GPU instead, in case you want a slight performance boost in the graphics department. The base model also has 8GB of RAM, but you can upgrade that to 24GB, and that guarantees you up to 18 hours of battery life. An upgraded Mac Studio with M2 Max was also introduced, which features two USB-C ports on the front, while the Mac Studio with M2 Ultra has two Thunderbolt 4 ports. Apple also put an SD card slot on the front of the machine, whichever one you get. There's a wide range of ports on the back of the device as well. Four Thunderbolt 4 ports, two USB-A ports, a 10-gig Ethernet port, an HDMI port, and an audio jack. The M2 Max offers a 12-core CPU and 30-core GPU with support up to 96 gigabytes of RAM, 25% faster than the M1 Max. M2 Ultra, on the other hand, doubles those specs with a 24-core CPU, 60-core GPU, and up to 192 gigabits of RAM. It can handle 22 streams of 8K resolution. The Mac Studio starts at 1999 US for the M2 Max model and 3999 for the M2 Ultra model. Now, with the same design as its predecessor, Apple announced the Mac Pro with the M2 Ultra chip. It features eight Thunderbolt 4 ports and four PCI slots for expansion. The Mac Pro is up to three times faster than the previous generation Intel-based model and also features up to 192 gig of unified memory. The base model config starts at 6999. On the software side, Apple announced iOS 17. This system update focused mainly on communication features. With personalised contact posters, you can customise contact info, as you can do with the lock screen. In addition, Apple brings transcription to voicemails and voice messages on iMessage. With check-in, you can follow a friend or family member's trip to the school, to the dentist, or to meet you. If they wait more than they would, Apple lets you check their location and battery status to make sure that the person is okay. 
With iPadOS 17, Apple has finally brought about a lock screen revamp, including live activities support. Users also have a better Scribble experience, PDF autofill, and iOS 17 features, such as the ability to record a video if someone doesn't take your call. In addition, iPadOS 17 brings the Health app for the first time. macOS 14, also called Sonoma, brings new screensavers and widgets to the desktop. The new operating system also focuses on gaming with improved support for PlayStation and Xbox controllers. With a game porting toolkit, developers can bring Windows games to the Mac more easily. Apple's also improving video meetings with live reactions and other features available for FaceTime, Zoom and more third-party apps. Audio got an upgrade as well with adaptive audio coming to AirPods, making it easier to switch between environments as it blends active noise cancelling and transparency mode. So that means you can still hear what's going on around you when you need to. Also, you can now tap on an AirPod to mute yourself during a call. Your iPhone can now learn which AirPlay devices you use the most and predict where you want to listen to songs or watch a video. Plus, AirPlay will come to hotels soon. And SharePlay comes to CarPlay, so any passenger can add songs to a playlist. On tvOS, a new control centre has been created, so it's easier to switch profiles, check your home devices and more. Siri Remote is now findable via the Find My app, and you can have your picture memories as screensavers. FaceTime also comes to Apple TV using the continuity camera feature to wirelessly connect to your iPhone so you can enjoy SharePlay and more on your TV. Watch OS X gets new features too with revamped watch faces to take advantage of larger displays. Also, spinning the digital crown will bring widgets that matter to you, so Apple says. Cycling and hiking workouts have also been revamped with more information provided and a topography map has been created for Apple Watch starting in the US. And then, of course, the much-anticipated announcement in years was the Apple Vision Pro headset. Tim Cook says it's the first product you look through and not at. The device runs an M2 chip and a new R1 processor designed for real-time sensor processing. It has 12 cameras, 5 sensors and 6 microphones. It requires an external battery or it needs to be plugged in all the time. The mixed reality headset will be able to switch from virtual reality to augmented reality features by spinning an Apple Watch-like digital crown. It will show immersive video content, work like an external display for a connected Mac, and even replicate the functions of an iPhone or iPad. Apple Vision Pro starts at 3499 US and will be available early next year in the States. First, Apple plans to roll out the device to more regions later in 2024. And that is your wrap of Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference for 2023. And that was a great show. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, there you go. Does that sum it up for you? Well, sum it up. I mean, everything was packed in there. Well done. That was really good. Um, I, you know what? I, there's something that that was talked about that we haven't really talked about, and that is the because you mentioned the Apple TV there. And mm. Something I sort of gla- gloss over a little bit with the um, the amount of uh, I don't know. It just seems like missed potential with the Apple TV a lot of the time, but. What about that using FaceTime over your Apple TV with the continuity? Is it continuity, they call it? Feature? Continuity camera, yeah. Yes. Would you use that? Uh, well, it's one of those things. I bought the portal from Facebook when it came out. Remember the one that came out for TV? That was uh, actually quite good, wasn't it? It was. It was very good, actually. And with the center stage feature, or well, whatever Facebook's equivalent <laughs> name for that is, where We've it, forgotten. essentially when you're, when you're standing in front of the camera, if you move off to the side, the camera would follow you. At least in terms of, you know, it wouldn't actually physically move, but what it would do was it would kind of just get you, you know, follow you in frame essentially. Yeah, And zoom in on you. Uh, a, a great example of this is my mum and dad sit on their, their chairs at the other side of the living room. And when my dad would get up and go into the kitchen, it would zoom in on my mum. And then when he would come back into the living room, it would zoom out and bring them both back into shot. It was so clever how it did it. Yeah. And this is kind of similar to how Apple's center stage works. Again, you can see how all these features start to merge and become really useful for these kind of products and announcements. It's almost like they wait for these things to come along and then that's when they they build this in. It's a really interesting use for that technology, right? But it just seems like video conferencing for the home really hasn't 
caught on that much. I no. mean, since COVID, obviously, you know, lots it, it did boom for um, work purposes. But like you said, getting your mum and dad to use it, because it sounds like a, a perfect solution. It sounds like it would be great. But we've had it for well, decades now, and it hasn't really taken off, even with the portal. Do you still use the portal with your mum and dad? Oh, God, no, that's in the bin. I mean, it's gone. I mean, you know, <laughs> well, why would you, right? I mean, it's, it's just, it's not, I, I don't know. I think the problem is, and, and it comes back to the ecosystem again. You know, and it's interesting with this one because FaceTime was the first video call. And I remember a lot of people saying at the time, no one's ever going to make a video call. You know, you want to make a call. You want to talk to someone. You do not want to be seeing their face. You don't want to be hearing that out in the street. But that's exactly what everyone does now. And FaceTime made that happen. And nothing else has. There have been other iterations. And I don't know what the Google equivalent is. I mean, it changes every five minutes, it feels like. Mm. Whatever the Google equivalent is of FaceTime, you know, has that caught on? Do you ever Google video someone? I mean, is that a thing? Never heard it in my life. Well, I mean, you know, there's so many different options out there, isn't there? You watch Zoom that video, yeah, I suppose you get Messenger, yeah. yeah. It's interesting that, yeah, the, the ecosystem seems to have kind of made it that, you know, you would you would be likely to use it. And I think, again, it's the simplicity of being able to walk into your house, sit your phone down next to your Apple TV, and then continue that call with someone. It's the ecosystem that makes it possible, makes it interesting. I think the problem is that, you know, I, I think on a practical level about the fact the it was the same as the, with the Fire TV stick. I remember when they brought in the Ring integration so that if your doorbell rang, you would be able to get a video, a live yeah. video feed from your front door, which was brilliant if that was the source on the television you were watching at the time. That's right, exactly, which it never is. No, no, because so, you might be switched over to your cable box or your satellite box or maybe you're gaming or you're doing something else. You know, it, it mm. kind of needs to all be built into the one box and uh, no one's really got that quite right. The TV manufacturers definitely have not got that right yet. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, on that point, actually, just on the point about video, uh, there was another feature which just kind of happened and people were like, oh, right, okay. Uh, you can now plug in external cameras to the iPad. Now, I guess it's the iPad Pro because of the USB, well, Thunderbolt port, I guess it's got on yes. there. Um, but you can now plug in external USB cameras, which is interesting. So a lot of people saying now they can finally get Pro Video through their iPad. Well, it's interesting. They did say that you can plug in cameras, external cameras to the USB-C, but also you can plug in um, high-quality microphones. Yeah. Um, well, I was thinking, well, you can already do that anyway. Yeah, I you can, can do plug that for it. years, yeah. Yeah, um, but the USB, uh, as far as I know, the video through USB is a new thing. Um, okay, is, is that exciting, though? Well, I, I think it, it's maybe not exciting in itself. Again, I try to look forward a little bit with these things, and I'm thinking, well, okay, if that feature came to iPhone down the line... That could be quite useful for people who might want to use their GoPro with them. Maybe they can't afford a, an Apple Vision Pro, but they could yes. perhaps have a camera on there so they could use Ira or something or, you know, all these products that have come along in the past couple of years that really need a solid connection and a decent connection and a quality output from a camera or input, I guess, from a camera. Yeah, they will now be able to get that. But why wouldn't that be available before now? It's not just a case of now we've got USB-C, we can do that. But couldn't they have done that through the lightning port? Mm. Or was the bandwidth so limited? Because you can get you know a lightning port to USB adapter, right? A camera kit. Um, it was just a case of a software lock, I would have thought. Or maybe it's just the lightning uh, port bandwidth couldn't support video. So I, I don't know. I, I yeah. sometimes I sometimes think these bandwidth issues are addressed by Apple by you know citing privacy concerns. Yes. I think it's almost like yeah. that's the cover story for what the truth is which actually is you know we, we just can't really support that level of obviously 4k video down a down a, a cable like that at this basically point basically a usb2 uh, yeah exactly yeah. And, and apple will never admit to something not being right so you know you have to kind of read between the lines and i think it's interesting if they've brought it out with thunderbolt connected ipads then there's no reason why down the line i mean i imagine that the new iphone 15 maybe not the 15 i don't know but maybe the 15 pro will have a Thunderbolt instead of USB-C, whereas the 15 would have USB-C. Because it yeah. was interesting to hear that. I mean, in, in that feature, I, and again, it skips you by some of these things, but the Mac Studio had uh, two USB-Cs on the front. Now, it obviously has Thunderbolt uh, 4 on the back as well, but, you know, it had USB-Cs on the front of the base model, and then you'd have to upgrade uh, to get Thunderbolt 4s on the front. So 
you can kind of see even even in the pro range of things, yes. you're getting these little differences. And I think that's exactly where the new iPhone 15 is going to go. I think it'll be 15 might have USB-C and 15 Pro will have Thunderbolt 4. And that will enable cameras to connect to the pros, which that makes things interesting for us. I just, again, we're always thinking about ways to add cameras to our phones. You know, that's yes. the bottom line for us. That's what we're always up to. Uh, but speaking of cameras, uh, yes, it was the Vision Pro that surprised everybody because, uh, well, it surprised me. Uh, everyone, prote- I love how everyone today is like, oh, yeah, I mean, of course it's got cameras. Of course it does. I mean, three, four weeks ago, everyone was telling me, no, 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 I love cameras. Don't be ridiculous. There's not going to be cameras in this thing. Are you kidding me? Uh, and I, I was I was doubtful it would have cameras. I really was. I did nope. not think it was going to have cameras in there. Me too. Uh, but just because we heard so much about how detailed and high, uh, how, how much of a high resolution the LiDAR sensor could have, mm. that you wouldn't need a camera. Um, but... I mean, it does make sense to have a camera in it. It's just the Apple privacy thing, doesn't it? You didn't think they would go there. But, you know, here's the question. For us as blind people, what difference will this make, if any? And, and what are our thoughts on this? Well, this week we heard from various people on this. Michael Babcock was first up on Tuesday's show telling us his first thoughts on how he would use the Vision Pro headset. The fact that I could just look at a Mac Mini, and I say that from someone who has no sight at all, but look at a Mac, and then all of a sudden that is on the display, and you're able to interact with that. And if you can use your hand gestures to manipulate that Mac, and you can hear that, then that means you could interact with that Mac wirelessly without even touching anything, and then use a keyboard or a trackpad when you actually need to input text, if that's even necessary. And we don't know what's necessary and what's not now, but that really intrigued me because I'm like, oh, I can just look over towards this Mac and maybe be able to activate it by looking at it and have it start working. And that was pretty cool. You know, with all the on-device learning that your iOS device and macOS device will provide you, and the fact that you can do now facial recognition in photos, and one of the things they announced is it can even recognize cats and dogs. Can you imagine when your headset that has 12 cameras on it sees someone who's already in your photos that's been identified and says, hey, Mallory's walking in or something like that, and all that could be done potentially on device, and that's kind of exciting. And that's the point, right, that there's so much potential here for us. And, of course, the big question for a lot of blind people is, well, will this work for me? Is this something that's going to be useful? Uh, Now, Shelley Brisbane also joined us this week. She gave us her take on the headset from a low vision point of view. For low vision people, I think things... Things like watching TV, things like consuming media is are great because obviously the trouble you have as a low vision person when you're watching TV is what distance do you sit from the set and do you get the visual as much visual information as you could? And I mean, I in the past have tried on other headsets that give me access to some video content. And that's the one thing I liked about them. I like the idea of watching TV on my head instead of across the room. Is that a reason to spend $3,500? No. And I have friends, both blind and low vision, who are extremely excited about this thing. And I, I think it's hard to say from a low vision point of view whether it's going to be as seamless or more seamless to uh, manipulate files and folders and, and apps and the like. Uh, I wonder if that's going to be a function of the kind of low vision that you have. We, we we're going to have support for alternative input, whether it be a pointing device or a keyboard or your hand. Uh, and that stuff sounds interesting and doable. I guess my wonder as somebody with low vision is, is it going to work for my specific eyes? And I don't know the, the answer to that question yet. And of course, for many blind people, the question is, will this even work at all, Sean? Because of course, that was the first question we all said as soon as this was announced in the keynote. Okay, mm. how are they going to build voiceover into this? How are they going to build Zoom and all these features? And then we got the answer. And that was the interesting bit. So pretty much an hour after the keynote finished, there was an event called State of the Union where developers were given the opportunity to learn the various tools that are going to be made available to them uh, by Apple so they can build their apps uh, in, in lots of different cool ways, but also make sure that they include accessibility. And yes, accessibility was very much going to be a part of Vision Pro as announced at the State of the Union. The spatial computing opens up great new opportunities for accessibility. On Apple Vision Pro, users with physical and motor disabilities can interact with their device entirely with their eyes or their voice or a combination of both. Users can also select with their index finger, their wrist or their head as an alternative pointer for navigating Vision Pro. You'll make your apps accessible on Vision OS with the same techniques you use for years on our other platforms. Accessibility Inspector analyzes and reports accessibility issues in your Vision OS apps, 
and gives you suggestions on how to make them more accessible. And with the accessibility support built into our frameworks, it's easy to bring your Vision OS apps and experiences to users with disabilities. For example, you can help VoiceOver describe objects in your apps to users who are blind or have low vision by adding labels and descriptions that convey information, like an object's physical appearance. You can also incorporate user preferences to make your apps more accessible by design, such as dynamic type for larger text sizes, reduced transparency for better legibility, and alternatives to headlock content. So that was an introduction for developers into the accessibility features. And Sean, the interesting bit here for me was that they actually brought out a list onto the screen of all the different features that yes. would be available. And everything was on there. And I mean everything. I know. Some surprising things on there. Zoom was on there. Yeah. I mean, even Braille was mentioned in there. Braille support, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how. I'm assuming that's just for an input. But either way, I, there was a full suite of the accessibility features that you would expect to find on an iPhone or an iPad or a Mac. And they were there too. And it was just, as you said, out of the box, almost straight away, they gave this information out. It was so cool. But the question, I guess, for a lot of us is how will voiceover work on a device which requires input from, you know, head gestures, hand movements, voice input? How does how does voiceover fit into all that? Now, of course, one thing we did hear about is that you can connect a physical keyboard. Well, not a physical keyboard, but you can have a physical keyboard connected via Bluetooth to the device. So you could still use your magic keyboard with it or your favourite Logitech MX keys. Best keyboard in the world ever. I agree. Um, you can have all that if you want. Uh, but, you know, for a lot of people, they may want to use options like, for example, hand gestures. How would that work, though? Well, a video that came out this week on Thursday explained. Let's open the app and toggle voiceover on with a triple press of the digital crown. Happy Bean, choose how you will cheer up grumpy clouds. On this platform, voiceover uses different finger pinches on different hands to perform different actions. By default, you can move focus to the next item by pinching your right index finger. Make a heart with two hands, button. Use a pinch gesture or a compatible device, button. To move focus to the previous item, pinch your right middle finger. Make a heart with two hands, button. To activate an item, pinch your right ring finger or your left index finger. Now that we're familiar with some of VoiceOver's basic controls, let's explore the rest of the app. Three, two, one. Happy Bean, back, button, score zero. Stop music, button, 29 seconds remaining. Pause, button. So there you go. You can use voiceover using gestures, hand gestures, and your hands are sitting wherever you want them to be. And for most people, that will be on their lap as they sit on a chair. Uh, so, or, you know, maybe you're standing up, your hands will be in front of you. But, you know, ultimately you can relax, you can sit down, and the cameras will pick up those movements. And, you know, the early reviews of people who have had hands on with this in a very small number of people who've actually had the chance to play with this say that pretty much every interaction you make is exact. And there's a quite a, a lot of excitement around how good this product seems to be, even at this very early stage. And we're talking, you know, months, maybe even a year away from actual, you know, availability. Yeah, and you know, the, the thing that really excites me about this is, is this a new generation of lidar sensor, or is this to do with the R1 chip? Because we're talking about real time tracking here, and when the lidar was first released, um, you know, it, it, we couldn't really use it for real time object detection you know for mobility reasons because it, it didn't work in real time there was a delay there uh, is this a new generation is this now possible that we could use it you know there's a a, a trash can in front of you there's a, a a lamp post in front of you in real time it's, it's interesting times it's basically turned us all into lobsters though because we're all sat there pinching <laughs> uh, but you know Cool. And plus, I don't know what an index or ring finger... I, that still I know, confuses I, I was, me. I, 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 I thought I was alone in that. I thought, what, I know where my ring finger... I know what finger I, I know my, my ring middle on. finger, that's it. I, everything else, index? I, I I'm a grown adult of 50 years old I and I don't know. And I, I'm ashamed to admit it, but yeah. But we'll I'm, I'm figure it out. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. 
Um, okay, uh, but of course there's another side to this because the device itself is very much, it seems anyway, like the virtual reality headsets, the design at least, gives you the impression of this being something that you would only really use indoors. There was no suggestion you would walk around the streets with this. And this was something we get into a conversation with uh, with Shelley Brisbane this week. The demos that they showed, which weren't even really demos, they're just videos that give you impressions of what the thing is going to look like, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's it's obviously, uh, you know, they're they're demoing a subset of what the thing can do. It's hard for me to tell at this point, especially because you have to plug it into something, whether it be a battery or something else. It's hard for me to tell at this point whether it's optimized for outside, although separately there were announcements about adaptive audio, which seems like that would be really important. If you were going outside, you would need uh, audio settings that could adjust based on your environment and whether people were trying to talk to you. Because you can't be taking this thing on and off when you're outside on a frequent basis. It has to be the sort of thing that can be fairly persistent. And I don't know if it's intended for that. I, I can't tell. It feels like it's really too early. And to be honest, like I think that's more of a use case for us than it is for the mainstream. I may be Absolutely. totally wrong about that. No, you're right. But I, don't, I just don't see people wanting to walk around with a pair of ski goggles who don't have some sort of navigation need. What, what information is it going to give them when they're walking down the street that they don't have other than some sort of virtual kind of reality experience of the landscape? And I don't know. That seems a little... That seems a little uncanny valley to me. I just I can't imagine it. I agree with you today. I don't know if I would agree with you on that in five years. I think in five years that things may change. Right. And I think it will be when essentially this, exactly. if this does become the replacement for the, the phone, which let's be honest, you know, this is what they've all talked about. You know, the idea that the phone is no yeah. longer a, a rectangle in your hand. It's it's the world around you. Everything is, is inside your vision. Stick around. Coming up, we'll be talking more about the big announcements on Vision Pro and also getting the viewpoints from the mainstream media and also from someone with a physical disability. How will Apple Vision Pro work for Colin Hughes? That coming up next on Double Tap here on AMI-audio. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air, and on Mastodon at Double Tap. Yes, we're talking today all about Apple's WWDC event. Uh, This week, of course, Sean, a huge event and lots of announcements coming out. It might not surprise you, though, that in amongst it all, other news happened. Yes, other news. The world didn't stop. It didn't stop for Apple's WWDC. No, it did not. And thankfully, we have Grace Scofield here with the other tech news this week. Thanks, guys. New features have been announced for the Blindshell Classic 2 mobile phone, including free wireless internet access in the USA following a partnership with Easy Mobile. Also, Bluetooth keyboard connectivity and battery strength announcement right on the home screen are being added as new features too. But it's the introduction of the WayAround app on the platform that is capturing people's attention. DoubleTap correspondent Michael Babcock explains what the partnership means. WayAround, an innovative app providing on-demand details about everyday items, is now available on the Blindshell Classic 2. WayAround uses a simple tag-and-scan approach that allows users to add as much detail to everyday items using stickers, magnets, clips, or buttons as they'd like, and then recall that information from their favorite device. The Blindshell Classic 2 is a feature phone with some additional smarts and physical push buttons. Everything on the phone speaks to you, so there's no guessing and checking. The partnership with WayAround and Blindshell couldn't be easier. Go to the app catalog on your Blindshell Classic 2, Download the WayAround app, acquire some tags, and touch those tags against the back of your phone to either label or retrieve the information. Check out wayaround.com slash blindshell for more details. Reddit is creating an exemption to its unpopular new API pricing terms for makers of accessibility apps, which could come as a big relief for some developers worried about how to afford the potentially expensive fees and the users that rely on the apps to browse Reddit. The company says as long as those apps are non-commercial and address accessibility needs, they won't have to pay to access Reddit's data. The Reddit community has been an uproar over the API pricing changes that might saddle developers with exorbitant charges and force them to shut down. One particular developer says he'll be on the hook for about $20 million per year based on the updated pricing. Three days ago, moderators on the r slash blind subreddit 
posted an extensive message protesting the pricing changes, which could have been hugely detrimental to apps for screen reader users, like Reddit for Blind and Luna for Reddit. Google Lookouts got a new trick, Image Q&A. The feature can describe images that don't have alt text and answer questions about them. Imagine showing it a picture of a dog playing on a beach and asking, does the dog look playful? And Google responding, yes, the dog is playful. The app is available for all Android devices running Android 6 or later. The app has many features like food label and scan document modes. With these, you can identify food labels or read mail out loud just by pointing your phone's camera at them. On her recent YouTube video called I Let AI Help Guide My Life for a Day, Molly Burke, who is blind herself and uses Lookout regularly, says it'll be a game changer for anyone who wants to know more about the images they find online. Image Q&A is going to be a new feature that launches that essentially adds alt text using AI to images that don't currently have it. So for those of us who cannot see images when we're scrolling the internet with our screen reader, we rely on alt text, which is a little secret hidden description of the image. But unfortunately, the vast majority of images online do not have that. Now, Lookout is going to be able to provide that using AI. It'll essentially generate an image description to give those of us who rely on that a better idea of what we might be looking at. A new feature from Ira will make it easier to share your screen from your smartphone with an agent. The new Ira screen share feature has just arrived on the new Ira Explorer app, available on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Janine Stanley from the Visual Interpreter Service showed off how it works in the company's latest podcast. Loading. Calling. Calling Ira. Waiting for agent. Waiting for agent. Connecting to agent. Connecting to Agent Rowley. Connected with Agent Rowley. Hello, Janine. This is Rowley with Iron. What would you like to do today? Hello, Rowley. Well, today we are going to test the new screen share feature. I am on options. my phone button. here, and I'm going to hit the More Options end button. button. Mm-hmm. Oop. More Options. And button. not the End Call button. Oh. <laughs> Switch to front camera. Share screen button. Share screen. Okay. Connected with Agent Rowley. And duration 30 open message panel button. Turn on privacy mode. More options and call button. Okay, everything on your screen, including notifications, will be recorded. Enable do not disturb to prevent unexpected notifications. Let me know everything on your screen. Screen broadcast heading. Okay, screen broadcast button. Start broadcast. Start broadcast. There we go. Two, one. Uh All right, three, two, one. And now you. Stop broadcast. Should be. Oh. Iron Explorer broadcast. Screen curtain yeah, off. Screen curtain oh, oh, there, there we go. go. Turn yeah. off screen curtain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. That is the biggest thing. Oh, my gosh. All right. Now, I'm going to come over here. And active. Photos. Active. Okay, I have a photo here, and if it's the one that I think it is, and it should be my uh, freehand drawing of my cat. Freehand drawing of your cat. Okay. Cisco has some news for people who use its WebEx platform, which is a tool for online meetings and conversations. They're adding a new feature that uses artificial intelligence to help people catch up on meetings they've missed. The AI can pick out the most important parts of a meeting and summarize them, so you don't have to listen to the whole thing or read through a long transcript. They're also making their customer call service smarter. If a call gets cut off, the service will remember everything that was discussed, so customers don't have to repeat themselves. And they're using AI to help manage security better, making sure the right security rules are in place and helping security teams respond quickly to threats. G2 Patel is Cisco's Executive Vice President and General Manager of Security and Collaboration. He told DoubleTap that it's important that the company's products are also fully accessible. Our mission at Cisco is to power an inclusive future for all. That includes folks who have a disability. That includes folks who are uh, not in the same uh, um, you know, geographic location as anyone else. That includes people that are introverted versus extroverted, like not that those are disabilities. It's just like there's different kinds of people around the world and everyone should feel included and feel like they have a seat at the table. Um, one of the things that we do, like audio is a very important piece unless you're hearing impaired. So what happens if you're hearing impaired? 
Well, um, one of the things that we've done really well is real-time closed captioning through artificial intelligence. So our speech-to-text is uh, almost, if not more, accurate than human transcription. We are able to take um, anyone speaking and in real-time transcribe it in um, um, in text. But the beauty about this is not only do we real-time transcribe it in, in text from the same language to the same language, we can also real-time transcribe and translate. So you can be speaking in English and I can actually look at the transcript in Mandarin or 120 other, uh, other languages. And that allows you not only to have inclusivity and accessibility for the hearing impaired, but also for those that don't speak the same language are now gonna be able to benefit with each other, being able to communicate seamlessly. And finally, as we head toward the sixth season of Black Mirror on Netflix, showrunner Charlie Booker discussed his experience using OpenAI's ChatGPT. While developing the season, Booker attempted to have the AI write an episode. However, the experiment was ultimately a failure. He told Empire Magazine that while playing around with the chatbot, he prompted ChatGPT to generate a Black Mirror episode. He went on to say that the results at first glance read plausibly, but on second glance were not great. So perhaps there's hope for us all. That's the other tech news for this week. I'm Grace Scofield. Back to you guys. Thanks so much, Grace. A lot in there, and I'm sure we'll be unpacking lots of that on next week's Double Tap episodes, so do check them out. Now, of course, the big story of the week is Apple Vision Pro uh, announced at WWDC, and we got a range of opinions on this uh, from various people this week. We had the blind perspective from Michael Babcock. On Tuesday and Wednesday, we heard from Shelley Brisbane talking from the Low Vision perspective. On Friday's show, we heard from Mark Aflalo, Double Tap TV host. He told us about the look and design of the headset and why it wasn't a pair of regular glasses. I think it was just limitations. I think that it's just too early in the development of all the sensors and all the technology they need to include to accomplish what they're trying to do here to fit it into a regular pair of Ray-Ban glasses. The technology is just just not there yet to be able to give you two 4K quality screens on each eye, the spatial audio, the computing power, the battery, even if it's external, um, to put that all into just a regular pair of frames. It's just, I think, physically impossible at this point in time. Yeah, you want the moon on a stick, Stephen. Of course Apple yes. would have gone for some Ray-Bans if they could. Um, that's the dream. That's the future. But... No, as Mark said, I don't, just I don't think isn't it's there. a dream, Sean. I think it's it's oh, definitely. Don't pick me up on that, Mark. God, you just come back and you're already picking me up on things. Unbelievable. Carry on. I think if they could have done that, <laughs> in, in, if if that's what they could have done, then I think this would all just be completely augmented and extended reality. No VR per se, unless you maybe snap on some kind of blinders. But of course, they would have released that because that's what the first and and only vision of Apple Glass really has been. Why do sighted people want to wear blinders? That was always the question I wanted to know. <laughs> no, it wants to be horses all of a sudden. It's weird. <laughs> it is true, though. Those uh, that that is. I'm, I'm sticking with it, Mark. Sorry, that mm. is the dream. We just want to uh, put on a pair of regular sunglasses and have that digital. Well, for us, it's not the digital content. It's more the uh, uh, the sensors which digitize the world around us and make it accessible to us. But still, um, yes, that is what we're working for. I believe. Yeah. And, you know, this week we met Colin Hughes uh, once again, who's been on the show before, but he always brings unique insight and perspective, I think, to these uh, kind of topics and discussions. And he talked to us about how physically disabled people would be able to benefit from this type of accessible, potential accessible technology. Uh, And he talked generally about accessibility, not just in what might be coming up from Apple Vision Pro, but also uh, technology he is using today that has really changed his life and told us a very interesting story. But first, he explained to us how he uses technology with his disability, muscular dystrophy. I can't use my arms due to severe but muscle weakness. So I need to do everything by voice. So that can be that WhatsApp messaging to friends and family. It can be writing a long email to someone. It could be 
document and with my disability, my voice is also weak, my breathing's weak, so I need the dictation to be as productive and accurate as possible. And unfortunately, up until now, there is been there is room for improvement. And it's not just dictation, is it? I mean, Siri as well, which wasn't really talked about that much. I use Siri a lot for home control, and there is one interesting but update with that is the option to drop the word hey, which for people like me, where speech and breathing are compromised, dropping one word is actually quite significant. So I can't wait to use it and just say, Siri, turn on the lights, or Siri, turn up the heating. That's going to be interesting. So we've got to talk about Vision Pro because everything you've talked about there in regards to how you interact with technology and you mentioned your voice in particular being the the major driver for you, this device sounds almost perfect then because you can drive this device with just your voice as well as, of course, uh, there are other options, but ultimately you can, in your case, use this by voice. Yes, I'm really intrigued um, what the level of voice input is in this device. It was mentioned several times at the keynote that you can control aspects of it with voice. So I'll be watching that closely in the coming months. The other thing that interests me is um, the idea of using hand gestures that they say are really small gestures. I want to know, you know, how much you have to move your finger, for example, to navigate. Um, that'd be really interesting because there is a parallel. The Apple Watch also has gesture controls, but I can't use them because my muscle power is not sufficient to trigger those gestures on the Apple Watch. Can I control gestures on the new headset? That's a big question mark. So a lot of blind people are having this discussion at the moment. Okay, how can this work for me? And we're thinking about things like orientation and mobility. We're thinking about navigation. We're thinking about being able to identify things. So way more than what the product is offering right now. This will come through applications much later down the road in terms of development. Are you feeling the same way? Are you looking at this product and thinking, hey, how can this work for me? And have there been any thoughts that have jumped out at you uh, off the bat? Absolutely. I mean, as I mentioned, I, I'm using um, Ray-Ban Stories smart glasses. I started using them at Christmas time. And, you know, the smartphone camera revolution of the last 20 years had completely passed me by. I could not take my own photos and videos, but so many people take for granted every day until I put on the Ray-Ban Stories smart glasses and, hey presto, I could take my first ever photo, my first ever video, but it was a wonderful feeling to be able to do that and share it, but with others. So there are you know, groundbreaking features um, that can literally transform lives. So I've been out and about in London in the last few weeks, taking photos, my own photos and videos of London landmarks and sharing them with family and friends. And it is an amazing feeling. And to, to be absolutely clear on this, this is the first time you've been able to do this using that technology on your own independently. Yes, at the age of 57. I have never been able to do that until I bought 
a pair of Ray-Ban stories spark glasses, which of course is a much more simpler device than the Apple headset, but it does show how this kind of tech can be transformative. That conversation is going to live with me for a long time. Hmm. Because the idea that all of a sudden Colin is able to take a photograph by himself, that has changed his world. And that is absolutely something we all just take for granted. Even yeah. even us as blind people, because we've had the accessibility, you know, just to literally get to the take photo button, double tap, and there we go, yeah. we take a picture. From our angle, it was so good hearing from Colin there, because it just shows how, uh, I say, I'm ignorant to other perspectives on accessibility. It was so interesting. Incredible, incredible. And you can listen to that full interview on Thursday's episode of uh, Double Tap on the podcast. Do check it out. Um, Okay, well, you know what? I've got to say this, Sean, um, and, you know, I don't say this very often, but, you know, Tim Cook uh, has nothing on us here at Double Tap. Oh, no. Um, Wow. Okay. (laughs) No, he doesn't. Uh, Because he doesn't just get this. We get this, too. We have Sean Priest. Wait for it. One more thing. <gasps> yes, we have one more thing before we go, <laughs> which is not an Apple Vision Pro. You get an Apple Vision Pro. You get it. No, it's not that. I've not turned into Oprah. We do have feedback, and I want to get oh. to your comments. Don't say all oh, like that. That's the, the, come on. There's, there's people have sent in our voicemails and their emails, and you go, oh, like I, that. I, I, people I have given their time. Went, oh, how exciting was if you let me finish. Oh, oh. how exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Don't throw me under the bus. Right, let's get some feedback then and uh, hear what you've been saying this week already about the Vision Pro. Biggles weighed in. I haven't heard anything about connectivity for it other than Wi-Fi. I don't believe it has a cellular radio in it, which would make it difficult to take outside without tethering to a phone, which sort of defeats its purpose. Yeah, there's no talk at all about a cellular, but then I think if we're honest, it's an indoor device and the chances of us actually going outside and walking around with this, as Shelley Brisbane said to us earlier, you know, it really is, that is for us, I think. That's something we would want to do. Would mm. the general public want to walk around with this on their head, especially with the levels of crime in some cities? I think not. <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, Darren weighs in. My interest is, what will be interesting to see is what happens as far as the specialist firms that currently exist in selling the hardware. I'm talking in the UK, I'm talking of Sight and Sound, Vision Aid, Enhanced Vision, Humanware, and uh, Optelec, and all these other firms that exist. Will this have an effect on them? Um, I know they've diversified in travel products, but it will be interesting to see what happens and what Google's reaction going to be. Will they develop something similar or better? This could be very interesting time. Yeah, so I'm watching this space with interest. Yeah, aren't we all? And that's a great question. What happens to these specialist companies? Will they all fade away as a result of this? Or, as I predict... They should, or not predict so much, but actually request, recommend, <laughs> re- recommend yes, that they, uh, that they very much get involved in this very quickly and start building apps in replacement of hardware. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look at Ira with their, their Horizon glasses. They tried to do the hardware as well and decided, well, realized really that, that their worth uh, is better spent on the um, service rather than trying to deal with hardware. I think it's the same thing. Absolutely. Uh, CC weighs in. He has uh, some concerns, and I share them. The Apple Vision Pro, I think, will be difficult for blind people because we already hear about folks riding by on bicycles and scooters and snatching phones out of their hands. How easy or hard would it be just to get your fingers under something and pull this $3,500 device off of someone's head and go straight to the pawn shop with it? Yeah, and what are you going to get in a pawn shop for that? You get $50 for it, which is an absolute disgrace when you think about it. Pawn shop pricing is terrible. Uh, but that aside... Uh, <laughs> it needs a lanyard. That's what it needs. <laughs> yes. The, this, this is the blind answer to everything, is a lanyard. Which, by the way, we will get to this at some point, but I did see on... I think it was Sam did this on The Blind Life. 
uh, on YouTube, and he had a, a, a feature on lanyards. I am not kidding you. He's so good, Sam. I'm, uh, actually, I'd watch that. <laughs> yeah, I have watched it. We'll talk about it next week. It does sound actually like an interesting piece of kit. Oh, I can't believe I'm saying that. You love uh, lanyards. Will it hold my Perkins Brailler? We shall see. Um, <laughs> final comment goes to... Our final word comes from Felix, who thinks I'm a genius. I just um, realised something when I've been listening to WWDC uh, this whole week. And I remember... Um, and I, I've been listening to, um, you know, the coverage uh, for the last couple of years, of course, on Double Tap and on the show that precedes it, or at least was running alongside it, um, BGTT. And um, the, uh, you know, I, I remember on several occasions each year, or at least uh, each time it comes around, you know, Stephen Scott, you were saying about how you've been to some kind of some kind of thing regarding glasses or. Um, some kind of you know headset was going to come out, and you mm-hmm. kept hinting about it. And we were like, yep. "Is it coming? Out? You know, is something going to happen with it?" And I want to say, congratulations! Uh, you oh. were right. Thank I you. Believe it. You're actually right. Yeah, eventually. Um, it just it took longer than you probably hoped it would, but I can't believe it. You almost you pretty much predicted it. So I did. Uh, congratulations wait, on wait. that. No, he's no. right. He's no, absolutely he's right. <laughs> he's absolutely not right. I am, hang on. God bless you, I Felix. Am but no. A genius. No, well, I don't think he actually said that. I think I he think, did. And I no, don't I think, think you can was... prove otherwise. <laughs> I think he was being sarcastic. But thank you, Mr. <laughs> F. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just Mr. say before we go, yeah. I've been playing with the iOS 17 beta. I am impressed with <gasps> Siri. I am very, very impressed with dictation. It is good. Thank you. Ooh, wow. Well, there you go. That's a glowing review. I've never heard you sound so excited in your life. Uh, Last I time I had that, I think chicken nuggets were on sale. <laughs> uh, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to The Express. Check us out, of course, every single day on AMI-audio, noon Eastern, and, of course, on podcast as well. Uh, get in touch with us as well. Feedback at doubletaponair.com, one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. Keep your comments coming, and we'll share them from Monday on the next Double Tap. That's it for this week. Sean Priest, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. One more thing. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Shaun of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.